Yeah, truth is very hard to come by these days, isn't it? I mean, how, how do we know what truth is? And then when we try to tell the truth, do we tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? I think sometimes we actually justify what we say because we put in a little bit of the truth. Like uh, sometimes Heidi will ask me, uh, how come you're not home yet? I thought you were on your way. And I'll say, I am on my way. But actually what I'm trying to say and what I'm not saying is I'm still finishing up a couple of things and it's going to take me 15 more minutes. But if I tell her that, then if I do, then she's going to be saying, why are you still there? And then we're going to get into an argument because earlier I told her this is what time I'm coming home. So we say certain things so that there's just a little bit of truth in there so that we don't feel like we're lying and that way we're okay. We justify our actions. The best is you're on your way home and they'll call you and then they'll ask, so where are you? Ah, uh, uh, pana of a stretch. Okay, I'll see you in a bit. Okay, and you're Hamakua Coast. So we, we'll, we'll say certain things so that we don't get into trouble. And we stay away from truth because truth is difficult. And the only reason why truth is difficult is because we str we've strayed from it. And so this series that we're kicking off today is called Choosing Truth. There must be a choice when it comes to truth. There must be a choice when it comes to truth because not everything we see and everything we hear is actual truth. We don't even speak truth most of the time. We try to sound truthful. And, and, and women, please help us, man. Please don't wear something and say, how does this make me look? Does it make me look fat? You know, please, just you always look good. Right, husbands? They always look good. No matter what they wear, they look good. Even when you wake up in the morning, you look great. That's actually true. See, if we stray from the truth, then we won't really know what truth is. Then what happens is truth becomes something I believe and something that I want. And then it's, well, that's your truth. That's what you believe. So that's, if that's what you believe, then that's, that's your truth. But this is what I believe, so this is my truth. Well, you put 7 billion people on this planet who has their own truth, guess what's going to happen? A big mess. That's what's going to happen. We're all going to have our messes because every person believes that their truth is what truth is. And so what this series will do is it will help us to learn what truth is and why there needs to be a choice of absolute truth. Someone once said this. They said, there's no such thing as absolute truth. And the other person responded and says, are you, are you serious? There's no absolute truth? Yeah, there's no absolute truth. Are you sure? Oh, absolutely. Wait. There's no absolute truth? Yep. And you know that for sure? Oh, absolutely. Wait, so what you're saying is you're absolutely sure that there's no absolute truth? Yep. Can you see how that sounds? I mean, why can't there be absolute truth? And who says there is not absolute truth? Well, that's what we want to unpack during this series in choosing truth. Today we want to look at how do I know what is truth? We're just, we're just not truthful people. So it's hard for us to understand that there is absolute truth. And if there is, now we're held accountable to it. And so it becomes a difficult thing. Well, in order for truth to be truth, it needs to be something that is unchanging. It needs to be steady. It needs to be constant. 
It needs to, in other words, it needs to be trustworthy, and it needs to be something that is proven. Truth. To define what truth is and to unpack what truth is, then there, there must be some way for us to say, well, then it, there has to be a standard. There must be something that is constant. For instance, in the ancient times, they would do, uh, have certain measurements that they would use based off of something that is constant. It wouldn't be based off of just, okay, uh, I think that this is the way we're going to measure something. In the ancient times, they would actually use certain things to measure. For instance, a foot, which we know is 12 inches right now. In the ancient times, guess what they used to measure a foot? A foot. That's what they used because the person's foot, once it grew and was of age, it never changed. It was the same size, so they used that as a standard foot. And then from there, they made something that was that length and used that as the measuring tool. And then they measured a yard, which is 36 inches, which was the average waist of a man. Average waist of a man. Average waist of a man. So they used that as what was the determining factor of a yard, which is 36 inches. And then a span was 9 inches. A cubit in ancient Egypt was the distance between the el- a distance from the elbow to the fingertips, which is approximately 18 inches. A lick was used by the Greeks to measure the distance from the tip of the thumb to the tip of the index finger. A pace the Roman soldiers would use that was the length of a double step, which is about five feet, and 1,000 of these paces were, was a mile. And then today, a pace is the length of one step which is two and a half to three feet. That's why today when your team plays NFL football and they're penalized, you'll see the referee pick up the ball, and if it's five yards, he'll take five steps because that's five yards. Three feet equals one yard. Or they have hash marks that are one yard each. So measurements and measuring tools were used from something that was constant, something that was unchanging. Once they measured it, that was it. A pendulum is only constant because of one thing called gravity. Gravity is constant. So the way they would use the pendulum to measure something is how many swings it would have, which would determine the length. So you could have the length of this, which is approximately four feet, and you could put any weight on it, and it would swing the same amount of swings. doesn't matter how much weight you put to it. It'll swing the exact amount of swings unless you change its length. What they would use for the different lengths is how many swings it would have, and then that was, they would use that for measuring because gravity is constant, and that's what they would use. Let me stop this. Some of you guys over there are falling asleep. Guys <laughs> are like, yeah. Hey. So because gravity is constant, the pendulum swing can be constant. Otherwise, if, if there's no truth, we're just a bunch of people on this planet running around operating under what we think truth is, doing what we feel based on our perception of life and entitlement 
And today as we talk about what is truth, we, we, we've heard the phrase before. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And the person will say, I do. But in order to make that answer valid, the person must first know what is truth. And that's what we want to look at. Because if, the ultimate, if we have the ultimate truth, then it, it, it gives us both a way to explain the world around us and then a basis in which we make decisions. We cannot go based on decisions. We cannot make decisions based on feeling all the time, especially when it comes to truth. If we just go on what we feel, our feelings change. Truth must be based on that which is constant. Well, a man by the name of Saul encountered the one who came to bring truth, which was Jesus Christ. Saul's life was never the same after this encounter with Christ. In fact, his name was changed to Paul, who has written majority of the New Testament. And now Paul has planted many churches. And one of the churches he planted was in Galatia, in Asia Minor. And we want to look at this scripture this morning. If you can uh, take out your notes from your bulletin. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 4. Or use your notes as a reference. But I, I want to I also say this and, and pause just for a moment. Uh, in today's world, in, in today's technology, I have an iPad, and on my iPad, I have, I have a Bible app, which means that if I have my iPad with me, I have my Bible with me all the time. On my phone, I have a Bible app, but I still have a Bible that has pages in it. Many of us still do, uh, and, and so what I'm about to say is not saying don't use technology, but what I am saying is there's something different about this. When you have it in your hand and when you can flip through the pages, maybe I'm just old school but you can write in it. You can pass this on to the next generation. You know, sometimes I'll put prayers in there and circle things, highlight things, uh, put a, a, a prayer that was answered, or if I'm praying about something, whatever it is. But then you can pass this on. Uh, We've got to get back to the Word of God. Sometimes we stray from it. But if we know what truth is, and we, if we can get back to the Word of God, then we can be, we can be people who can live in a topsy-turvy world but still understand truth. Otherwise, we'll get swayed back and forth by whatever it is that we feel suits our need or what we feel is best for us or based on emotion rather than the Word of God because the Word of God does not change. It's been translated, but it doesn't change from its very essence. It's, it's God-breathed. So carry your Bible. In fact, on Sundays, especially during this series, let's bring our Bibles. Go dust it off, polish it, whatever you have to do to make it look new again. But bring your Bibles. I, I, can, I can pick up my iPad or my phone or someone else's and mistake it for mine, for my phone. But when I grab my Bible, I don't mistake it. I know my sword. I know what it feels like. I can open my Bible, and if you try to use someone else's Bible and look for a scripture, it's, it's a lot harder than your own Bible, and, and you should know that by now if you go through the Bible. It's your sword. You need this because there, there's, there's no weapon that's formed against you that will prosper, which tells us there are weapons used against us. But we need one, which is a sword, the Word of God. So be a Bible-carrying person. It doesn't mean you have to carry it all over and when you go to work, say, hey, good morning, you guys. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. Go, hang over. 
you know, it's, it's not, you, you what, what, is, what this is for is for this. It's for our heart's transformation. So be a Bible-caring person and, and, and get into the Word of God. So Galatians 4, 12 through 17, Paul says this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that when I was sick, when I first brought you the good news. I think I read that wrong. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I am telling you the truth? He says, those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention to them. Two things pop out in this scripture. One is he says, where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? He's saying like you strayed away from the truth. I remember a time where you're so, you're so founded on truth. You're so founded on the joy of God, but you've left that. You've forgotten about that. You've drifted so far. Where's the joy that you felt back then? He says something happened. Then he says, so have I now become your enemy because I am telling you the truth? It's almost like Paul was saying, I'm, I'm going to speak truth to you, and you're not going to like it. As the saying goes, truth is very hard to swallow. It's, 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 it's a difficult thing. Like one man said, an actor in, in a movie, he says, you can't handle the truth. Many of us cannot handle the truth. We're not able to handle what is true. And Paul spoke the truth to people and they didn't like it because of what he had to say. And they didn't like it because of how they felt. They just didn't like it. In order to know what is truth, there must be something that is constant, a plumb line, something that is, is, is constant, consistent, unchanging. Like gravity. Something that is constant to base truth from. Something that when a pendulum swings, it's basing how many swings that'll be constant because of what it's being pulled from. Something else that is constant. That's what makes this pendulum constant. It's gravity that is unchanging. You put that same pendulum in the, the hand of a child, it's not going to swing the same amount. What has changed? Not the pendulum, but that which was constant. Gravity is constant. Truth needs to be constant. Otherwise, the people could argue with Paul and say, well, that's what you believe, and this is what I believe. That's your truth, and this is my truth. So Paul says, listen, I'm going to give you the truth, but you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose because truth divides. That's what it does, and you can write that in your first point. Truth will divide, divide people. And let me put it this way. We live in this world, and in this world, 
whatever you know it looks like. Uh, we live in this world that is based off of humanity. Many of the things we see is from a human perspective. And so from a human perspective, we say, no, but this is what I believe. This is how I feel. This is what I think should be the solution. This is, this is what the belief should be. This is what truth is. And so we go based on humanity. Well, someone else will say, well, that's your truth. This is my truth. Well, my truth, my truth is based on emotion. So just do what you want, whatever you want, however you feel. Well, that's your truth. This is my truth. Well, well, well my truth, then... My truth is based on religion. That's my truth. Yeah, but that's your religion. Here's my religion. And so another religion is brought in. Well, I don't want religion. I don't want to have... Okay, so what do you want? Well, here's mine. Just live however. And teenagers say it best. Go ahead, teenagers. Say it. Go. There you go. However. Whatever. However. Whatever. Whoever, just put whoever, whoever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's not even that. Uh, how? Why? That's this is Dr. Seuss right here. This is a whoever. So we live in this world, and so we say, "Oh, well, that's your truth. This is my truth. That's your truth. That's my truth." And let's all live together in this world, and let's all get along with our own truths, because now. We're living in unity. I don't know about you, but this is kind of messed up. It's kind of messed up. Because when it comes down to what is true, then no one knows what is true. And so we bring up, we'll say, well, that's how I live. That's how you live. Let's all live together in unity. Okay, let's, let's, let's do that. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's your truth. This is my truth. Okay, everybody's, okay, we're all true. And then when an issue comes up, where's the truth? When something affects someone's life to them in such a way that it changes their perception of life, their culture, what they believe in, where's truth now? Who determines what is true? Who's going to say and it'll all come back to the law of the land. Whoever is in the highest authority will say, this is true. This is what truth is. And then whoever else doesn't believe in it, too bad. Because that's my truth, that's your truth, this is my truth, that's your truth. And this is what the authorities say, so that's truth. So that's, that's the world we live in. Well, if that's the world we live in, and this is all we have to choose from, we're still living in a world that is not based on absolute truth. So this is what God did. God said, I'm going to bring in truth into your world. And now people have to choose one way or another. See, without this second option, this is where we are. We're stuck here. There needs to be another option. And you might be someone who says, yeah, but, you know, I, I don't know how I could bring in truth into the world. Listen very carefully. 
If you live according to the truth, and that's what we're here to learn about, what is true. If you live according to what is truth, there may be people who say, well, I don't like that truth. I'm going to live like this. That's fine. But at least you're giving them another option. At least you're giving them an option that is unchanging, that will stand the the test of time. Because there may be one or two people in your entire life out of the 500 that say, I don't want that, I don't want the truth, that will come up to you and say, hey, can you just tell me a little bit more about that truth? Just a little bit more. Well, let me just tell you. And as you begin to share with them, they'll say, oh, I, I got it. I got it. 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, To be diligent, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, when the Bible says rightly dividing the word of truth, really the word that is translated, because we want to go to what the word has been translated from. And from the Old and New King James versions, and in several others, there is a single Greek word, and it's the Greek verb, orthotomeo which is a very interesting word because in the New Testament times, orthotomeo was primarily a civil engineering term. It was used, for example, to, as, as a building term, that when they would build a row, they would build it straight. And so orthotomeo was a word that the engineers would use so that when they would travel on a road, on a straight road, in a straight manner, then they would be able to r- arrive at their destination without deviation. It was a miner's term that they say you, you, when you drill and when you mine and when you dig, you dig straight to the source, to the mother load. Because we know this, and we've learned this in school, the shortest distance between two opposing points is a straight line. So from here to here, straight line. Same distance, but many of us live like this. Oh, I see the destination. going to live like I'm going to live. And then we arrive at the destination. Now, some of your running backs will run like this today. But that's why they say run north to south when you play football. Because the shortest span is a straight line from two opposing points. This is truth. This is whatever. And so orthotomeo says, no, 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 there needs to be a straight line. That's why they say it's hard to walk with the Lord. Straight and narrow is the path. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Wide is that road. Straight and narrow, that path is the one that leads to life. And people will say, oh, that's so narrow-minded. That's so narrow-minded. Because, no, that's so narrow-minded that you're you're being brainwashed. You're never going to change. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. No, no. I think the opposite is correct. Because if this is constant, then we get to our destination quicker. If I want to change my habits, if I want to change as a husband, if I want to love Heidi better, then why do this? I'm saying, Lord, get get me to change as quickly as possible because I don't like the life I'm living. Lord, help me with our finances because I don't like where we are in our finances. Show me the way. And he says, here's my way. Here it is. But if we do our own thing, it takes us that much longer. Psalm Psalm, uh, 33 verse 4, it says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. 
See, the Bible is like the gravity so that we can teach Scripture accurately as a single unified whole without being turned aside by false teaching or man-made agendas. We change, but truth never does unless we start changing definitions of truth. I want to show us a color right now. And on this screen, uh, let's, let's put, can we put up red again? Is that possible? Let's put up red. I know, okay, this is, this is red. I know it looks a little off because of the projector. But here's the definition of red. Any various colors resembling the color of blood. Why? Because blood is unchanging. If you bleed green, you ain't from here. <laughs> the primary color at one extreme end of the visible spectrum. Because the spectrum will never change. The rainbow colors never change. Why? Because the sun is constant. An effect of light with a wavelength between 610 and 780 nm, which is uh, nanometers. So there's something that is constant to define what red is. Now what if I told you this color is blue? It's blue. What would you say? Either you're colorblind or something's wrong with you or you just don't know the definition of red. But I say, no, I changed the definition of red. I changed it to the definition of blue. So now red is blue. And you can do that. You can just change the definition and now that's blue, but it's actually red. Now, you can do that and then people can agree and say, no, okay, I accept this definition of red, so that's the definition of red. But, it, but other people say, no, but that's the definition of blue. But then we can say, no, we've got to be equal, so we'll just live in the land. That's red to you, that's blue to me. Different definitions, fine, keep it that way. That will work until you come to a red light. It'll work up, up until then. You're going to come to an intersection of truth. And something has to happen. See, truth is unchanging. Truth agrees with reality unless you change the definition. Luke 12, 51 says, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? And this is Jesus speaking. He says, no, no, no. I tell you, not at all, but rather division. Jesus was speaking in the context of truth. Not in the context of peace do I leave with you, peace do I bring. He's talking about the context of truth. Because truth will divide. It allows a choice for the person or people who says, I don't want this world. I don't want this. I want this. I want something that is constant. I want something that is trustworthy. Something that I can base my life off of rather than every other day changing because of my emotions. See, truth is actually a person. You can write that in your second point. Truth is a person. What is that? Truth is a person. How can that be? You just said that truth is unchanging. People change. No, truth is a person. See, are, there, are, there are things that are constant where we can get our measurement from, as we illustrated with the pendulum, with our foot, elbow to the fingertips, the waist belt, and all of that, because it was a standard measurement that was unchanging. Once it was measured, unchanging. Well, God gave us a person so that as people we could relate to something other than gravity other than uh, something in like the sun or something else that we could relate to as human beings 
So he gave us a person who would be constant in truth so that we could live our lives based off of that person. So we could be the pendulum in which would be swinging from that which is constant so that our lives would be steady, steadfast, unwavering from the truth. Someone asked the question, and Jesus answered in John 14, 6. Jesus answered and says, I, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, anyone can say that. Anyone can say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Or here in Hawaii, you can say, brah, I had a way, I had a truth, I had a life. However you want to hear it, whoever says that must prove they are. So when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said that to his disciples. They were like, okay, so we're going to follow you. And you know what, Jesus? We'll follow you even though we die. Well, the moment Jesus gets arrested because of some false accusations, they scatter. They deny him. You see how quickly our emotions can change? But Jesus never changed. He was steadfast. He even predicted he would go to the cross. He didn't change. He was unwavering. Went to the cross. Died on the cross. Now the disciples are like, okay, uh, what do we do now? The master who says, who said all these promises, he's dead now. What are we going to do? You know what they did? They went back to their old ways. They went back to being fishermen. Back to their, to what they knew. Now remember, truth never changes. Truth is constant. Truth said that the Son of Man, the Son of God would die. Truth also said, but in three days, I will be raised from the grave. And because truth never changes, truth had to happen as proof of the person being truthful. So while the disciples were back to their old ways, here is Jesus on the shore. Peter jumps out, sees Christ. And Christ reassures his disciples that he is true, that he is truth. That you can base your life off of my life because I am always constant. I am always truth. I'm unchanging. You are, but I'm not. But if you live your life according to my ways, you can always get back to what is truth. That's why he could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He could predict that because he was truth. You and I could, we wouldn't be able to live up to it. The moment we're on the cross, we're done. But Christ was able to come back to life. See, we measure humanity and truth based on the life and ways of Jesus if you believe in him. And those who take God seriously will take truth seriously. And if God says who he says he is, then he can be trusted. As a father, I tried to stay away from that. You know when my kids would ask me, but why, daddy, but why, daddy, but why, daddy, but why, daddy, but why? I would stay away from because I said so. And even though sometimes I would say, because I said so, because I told you, because I'm dad. Too bad. That's what I say. That's what I say. It goes. What I say goes. Now, I could say that, but if my life is not trustworthy, if I'm not constant, my kids are going to look at me as a hypocritical person. 
Because if, I, if my kids say a swear word, and I've heard parents do this before, their kids would say a swear word, and they're like four. Hey, don't you say that. But daddy, you say it. Yeah, but daddy does that, but not you. Don't you say that. See, it's inconsistent. Why? Because we're not based on truth. We're doing this. And so our children are looking up to us saying, wait a minute, then what is truth? Do I believe you or what you're saying? Or what you do? Well, I don't know what truth is. That's why we got to get back to the Bible. It has to be consistent. It has to be what never changes. And even when our children grumble and others grumble and they'll ask us, but why? Even when you ask, even when you give the truth, people will say, but why? People will say that because people are just as convinced in their truth as you are convinced in yours. Therefore, it doesn't matter how fervent someone is on the truth. What really matters is the reason a person has for believing what he believes. There must be a reason for that. That is why God gave us a guide unto truth, because we're just going to believe what we want. He had to give us a guide. See, God the Father, who is constant, gave us his one and only Son as a human being, being all God, who was going to be constant as a human being so we could base our life off of his so that we have something constant that we can always come back to. That's why Jesus is not a religion. He is a relationship. This pendulum that swings is swinging like this in relationship to gravity. Not because this thing is saying, I, I choose, I, I'm saying I'm going to swing because I believe in gravity. It's really in relation to what he believes of gravity. Because of gravity being unchanging, unwavering. Just like our lives to Jesus Christ, unchanging, unwavering, we base our life off of his. So now, he gives us a, a guide. In John 16, 13, Jesus says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all what? That's the word. Guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. You see, truth needs a guide. Because we do this in our life. Truth needs a guide due to our own fervent desire to break from that which is constant because we live in this kind of world. So Jesus says, I'm going to give you another option. And when you know the truth, as John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It'll make you free. Well, how does the truth set me free? How does it make me free? What does truth do? You know what truth actually does? Truth transforms us. You can write that in your third point. Truth transforms me. Truth has that much power. Once, once, you're, once you're based with a choice to get away from emotion, it changes us. We see, we see that happening all the time, that we're transformed just by the millisecond. And God says, I want to transform your life for good. We saw that happening at our pumpkin party. Kids were transformed right before us. I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. The moment they turned that corner and saw all the lights, ah, they were transformed. 
Some of them were just dragging after a while, and then after they ate their candy, zzz, they're transformed. It just happens. We're, we're built that way. And God says, there's a life that you're living I want to transform you from. I want to transform you into a, a greater life because truth can transform you. Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Bible is telling us that you will have a tendency to drift from that which is constant. Therefore, let that which is constant get you back on track. Not all of this, emotion, humanity, whatever, whoever, religion. It has to be what is truth. Truth is defined as that which corresponds to reality as perceived by God because God's perception of reality is never distorted. God understands reality. So you know what God did? God says, I, I, I need some truth bearers. I need people who will live according to truth because the world is like this. The world is not going to change to become truth. Doesn't have enough in it. Doesn't have the wisdom required. Doesn't have the spirit required. However, I so love the world that I'm going to give my one and only son that whoever believes in him that he died on the cross would not perish but have everlasting life. It's like a veil is taken off of our faces and now we can see clearly that we have another option. And it's to live according to the ways of God. But we all, with unveiled face, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord, the Spirit. He's saying we're all being transformed into the same image. It's the image of Christ. Because when you're being transformed and you have that spirit of Christ, when you have the truth in you, that you understand that God is the creator. He sent us his one and only son to give us a guide, the Holy Spirit, to guide us into all truth. Then what God sees as evil, we see as evil. When God weeps, we weep. When we see God being glorified in something, then that, that is reason to continue to glorify God. And when he sees something as glorious and good, we see it as glorious and good. We no longer compromise because now we know the truth and our mind has been transformed by it. And so now our, the true measurement of our life is not based on feeling or based on perception. It's based on truth based on who God is. And when you and I come to the truth, the truth shall make you free from whatever it is that's causing all of that mess. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? You can put away your notes and your Bibles. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you for this 
this time that we got to spend together digging into your word and just unwrapping a little bit in what, what we're looking forward to in this whole series about choosing truth and, and what is truth. Truth divides, Lord. It's, it's, we're going to have to make a choice. People will say things and it's, it's going to be a difficult road, but you're constant. You never change. For you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. There may be some here this morning that you're saying, I've never given full trust in God because I, I don't want to believe in just one absolute truth. Otherwise, it will be too hard for me. And I understand that. But I need you to know that there is a guide that God will give to you, the Holy Spirit, that will help you along the way when times get tough that you don't have yet because you have not given your heart to him. I want to say a prayer with you. And what this prayer is, is you giving Christ your life. You're trusting God with your life. You're saying to God, I believe in you. I I want to give you my life. I'm still a little hesitant, but I, I want to take the risk. I want to take that leap of faith. I trust in you enough to know that you will take care of me, even though I don't know what's going to happen with my life. And if that's you, could you just lift a hand just real quickly, real briefly, and we're going to pray together. You want to give Christ your life. Good, good. Anybody else? You're saying, I want to give Christ my life. Good, good, good. God sees your hands back there. Good, right here. God sees you. God bless you back here, right here, back there. Yeah, back there. God sees you. Good, right here. A whole bunch of you. You can put your hands down. God sees your hands. He sees your hearts. And and we want to pray this together. In fact, we can all pray this together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we can pray this. Because what happens when we pray this together is we just encourage those who are accepting Christ into their lives. And we want to support them too. Let's say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I believe you died on the cross for me to give me eternal life. And so I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.